It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Back to reality. Good Friday afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the broadcast. Our spring fling has flung. Meteorologist Mike Saika, WIVB, says those temperatures are dropping about 40 degrees from where they were just a couple days ago. We'll continue to dip during the day. We're not going back up. We're going down. Freezing rain this morning, flipping to snow for some in the lake belts. Not much snow, however. Kevin Williams has that weekend forecast for you coming right up. The health of a U.S. senator from Pennsylvania making headlines today. He's 53-year-old Democrat John Fetterman. He has suffered a setback, clinical depression, after uh, being hospitalized just a week ago. Scott McFarland has our report from Washington. The senator checked himself into the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. This is the latest in a series of recoveries the senator is making, including a stroke he suffered while campaigning for the Senate last spring. He was also hospitalized last week for lightheadedness, and now he's receiving inpatient treatment for depression. One in three stroke survivors often suffer from depression. Two weeks later, there's still more questions than answers in East Palestine, Ohio. All I know... It's our town needs help. 5,000 residents of that town just across the border from Pennsylvania reeling from an environmental catastrophe caused by a train derailment. This resident explains what the air and water smells and tastes like. It's kind of like paint. You know, there's a a residual smell after you paint your house. State officials insist the air and water are safe despite complaints of sore throats, burning eyes, and mystery rashes. EPA Administrator Michael Regan. To the folks of East Palestine, we see them, we hear them. That may be, but FEMA is still refusing to grant emergency assistance to those impacted by this toxic train derailment. Grant McKay is a lawyer who lives in East Palestine. Well, you know, I invite them to come down and take a swim in our creek, have a glass of water. People of East Palestine are downtrodden. They feel abandoned. They feel disrespected. This is a one-two punch in putting people Ohio Senator J.D. Vance shared a video from the derailment site yesterday. Hey guys, so I'm here at Leslie Run and there's dead worms and dead fish all throughout this water. Something I just discovered is that if you scrape the creek bed, it's like chemical is coming out of the ground. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre. We're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to try and figure out an answer to what occurred. We're going to hold Norfolk uh, Southern accountable. Norfolk Southern says it's removing contaminants and offering financial assistance to affected homeowners. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg facing calls to resign for minimizing the Tragedy. While this horrible situation has gotten a particularly high amount of attention, there are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailment. Ohio's Governor Mike DeWine reiterating again today that the water is drinkable and the air is breathable there in East Palestine. He says those with private wells, however, still should use bottled water. Next stop, Memphis, where five former police officers charged in the death of Tyree Nichols pled not guilty in court today. 
today. Nichols, of course, is the black man who died three days after a confrontation with those five black cops, now former cops, during a traffic stop. President Biden has broken his silence over those three UFOs shot down over the U.S. and Canada. He says there's no connection whatsoever to the Chinese spy balloon, which was taken out by fighter jets three weeks ago. We don't yet know exactly what these three objects were, but nothing right now suggests they were related to China's spy balloon program. These three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies. The president thinks the balloons were being used for weather experiments or scientific research. A group of amateur balloonists in Illinois think the one that was shot down over Alaska was theirs. It cost $12 and was taken out by a $400,000 missile. The death toll from last week's earthquake in Turkey and Syria, now more than 43,000. Three more people, including two children, were pulled alive from the rubble today. 10 days after the quake. Democrats are taking their own tour of the border today. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries on a fact-finding mission to El Paso, Texas. Yesterday, House Speaker McCarthy blasted the Biden administration for its handling of the border crisis. The freshman member that I brought here, they have done more in four weeks of looking at the border than the president has done in 40 years. McCarthy speaking at the border in Arizona last year set a record for illegal border crossings. Last month, there were more than 150,000 at the place where the U.S. meets Mexico. Chicago plans to house hundreds of migrants in a vacant Kmart building. The nearly 100,000 square foot facility will be a temporary shelter for nearly 700 illegal immigrants. Many of Chicago's homeless are now encamped at O'Hare Airport. A Philadelphia area gas station is blaring opera music as a way to combat crime. The Speedway in Philly's Germantown neighborhood is playing opera music just like that on outdoor speakers as a way to deter loitering. Gas stations have become a favorite target of thieves there in Philly. One of Southern California's most iconic landmarks is celebrating a major milestone. The world-famous Hollywood sign is celebrating 100 years. The sign debuted in 1923 on Mount Lee and originally read Hollywoodland. It was meant to promote the name of a new housing development in the hills above the Hollywood district of Los Angeles. After falling into disrepair in the 1940s. The California landmark was restored and the land portion was removed. 1923 was known as the Big Bang in L.A. when other iconic landmarks debuted like the L.A. Coliseum and the Biltmore Hotel. It also coincided with a sea change in L.A. when its population surpassed San Francisco for the first time. Nika Magalhis, NBC News Radio. And an all-star catcher and baseball broadcaster has died. I'm going to take you back to a night, the first game of the World Series, 1988. Tim McCarver won two World Series titles with the Cardinals in the 1960s. He was one of few players to play in the majors in four different decades before he retired in 1980 and became a TV analyst for a record 24 World Series. Tim McCarver was 81. The Hall of Fame says he died of heart failure. Deborah Rodriguez with that report still to come on the noon report debating the death penalty satan club in the southern tier and free furniture in the crystal city well good afternoon to all it's been a real mixture of conditions across the area today rain ice and snow the weekend looks pretty calm though 
Forecast details are coming up in 10. All right, Kevin, we'll see you then. Let's check the stories making news where you live next. A Satan Club planning to set up shop at an elementary school in New York's Southern Tier. There's uproar among parents in the main Inwell School District. That's because students at the Homer Brink Elementary School were sent home yesterday with Satan Club flyers. In the flyer, the Satanic Temple and Reason Alliance says it will be holding events at Homer Brink in the coming months. The district says it cannot exclude the Satan Club from using its facilities or else it would have to ban all other non-school groups like the Boy Scouts, for instance. Last spring, a Christian club was granted permission to use the school's facilities in that Binghamton suburb. Brandon Dixon, Family Life News. Thank you, Brandon. Warmer weather this week led to three ice rescues on Oneida Lake in central New York. One man needed to be rescued after driving onto that lake on a four-wheeler. The others were fishermen caught on the lake. Officials urging folks to stay off the ice right now because it is not as thick as it looks due to all the warm weather of late. As mentioned earlier, Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman has checked himself into Walter Reed Medical Center for clinical depression. He suffered a stroke last spring. Here's reporter Nicole Killian. The American Stroke Association says post-stroke depression is common, affecting about a third of stroke survivors. Several senators tell me they hope that Fetterman's disclosure reduces some of the stigma around mental health so that others can get the help they need. 15-year-olds would be licensed to drive under legislation proposed by a couple of Pennsylvania politicians. They want to lower the legal driving age, arguing the current age of 16 prevents teens from being able to drive themselves to work. The white supremacist convicted of gunning down 10 at a top store in Buffalo now being held in the Livingston County Jail. Family Life's Greg Gillespie has that story. Bob, U.S. Marshals have been given temporary custody of the teen killer while he awaits a federal trial. 19-year-old Peyton Gendron was sentenced Wednesday in Erie County Court to life in prison after pleading guilty to state-level murder and domestic terrorism charges. He told the court he was motivated by hate when he shot indiscriminately at black shoppers on May 14th of last year. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland has not ruled out seeking the death penalty against Gendron on the federal charges. Gendron will remain in custody in Livingston County until the federal trial ends. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. All right, thank you, Greg. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro has had a change of heart when it comes to capital punishment. The Democrat once voiced support for the death penalty, but now is advocating for its abolishment. The Commonwealth should not be in the business of putting people to death. Period. Shapiro says he will not sign any death warrants on his watch and is calling on the General Assembly to abolish capital punishment altogether. Philadelphia State Senator Vincent Hughes. Death penalty does not work, does not offer justice, and it does not deter. Republicans argue removing the death penalty from Pennsylvania's penal code is disrespectful to the victims of violent crime. Pike County DA Ray Tonkin. My belief is that capital punishment has a place in our society, that there are individuals who are evil that just morally deserve to die 
for what they've done. The last time an execution was carried out in the Commonwealth was in 1999, 24 years ago. U.S. Marshals believe an escaped convict may be hiding in western New York. A man with connections to western New York convicted for child exploitation has escaped from custody. Christopher Luke was reportedly released from jail for good behavior in Louisiana, but had to report to a halfway house and remain under supervision. He did not report to that halfway house and was placed under escape status. According to U.S. Marshals, Luke last lived in Tonawanda and still has ties to the Buffalo area where he may have returned. D. Haley, Family Life News. All right, Dee, thank you. Some Tesla workers in Buffalo are claiming they were fired for trying to unionize. More than 30 were let go this week at Tesla's factory there. The terminated Tesla workers are calling their firing retaliation. The National Labor Relations Board is investigating. There's a police shortage problem in Pennsylvania, and we hear about it from Family Life's Brian Query. David Kennedy, the president of the Pennsylvania State Troopers Association, testified this week at a State House Policy Committee hearing regarding the ongoing concern of shortages in law enforcement. Kennedy called the shortage, quote, a catastrophe. Last year, a thousand people applied to join the Pennsylvania State Police. While that sounds like a lot, it's a significant drop from previous years. In 1995, there were 10,000 applicants. With more municipalities cutting back on their police services, the state police now patrol 85% of Pennsylvania, and they're doing it with fewer personnel. Kennedy is calling on the state legislature to create a separate, dedicated funding source for state police. Brian Query, Family Life News. All right, Brian, thank you. In need of furniture? Big question mark there. Well, the Corning Radisson giving away some furniture as it undergoes an extensive renovation. Sofas, chairs, ottomans, mini fridges, nightstands, mattresses, and even box springs can all be yours. Hotel manager Marissa Thomas telling WETM. We realize that times are tough, so we're giving you a chance to have the shopping spree on us. Who couldn't use some new furniture? That furniture. Furniture giveaway will take place this Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. at the Radisson in Corning, New York. It's 14 past the hour. We pause for sports on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the duels at Daytona were run last night as drivers tried to qualify for a shot at winning NASCAR Super Bowl. The Daytona 500. Joey Logano and Eric Almirola won the two races. As far as the two who will start at the front on Sunday, it's really no surprise to see Hendrick Motorsports dominating again at Daytona. Alex Bowman had the fastest lap and he grabbed his third pole position. This is his sixth straight time to start on the front row at Daytona. And teammate Carl Larson had the second fastest time, so he will start right beside him. Six others were vying for the final four spots. Formerly retired Jimmy Johnson being one of them, and he made it in along with another part-timer, 40-something driver, Travis Pastrana. The two hugged one another after they both qualified. The Great American Race takes place Sunday afternoon. Let's talk hockey. The Philadelphia Flyers had no answers for the Kraken as Seattle dominated from the outset, scoring the game's first five goals. 
Travis Konechny scored twice for Philly, but too little too late. The Kraken won it 6-2. Elsewhere, your winners, Carolina, Columbus, Florida, Boston, Detroit, St. Louis, and Vegas. Just three games on the docket in the NBA. Brooke Lopez had 33 points to lead the Bucks over the Bulls, 112-110. Bradley Beal poured in 35 to help the Wizards outlast the T-Wolves, 114-106. And the L.A. Clippers beat the Phoenix Suns, 116-107. That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, thank you for that. And still to come on the Noon Report, return to winter says Kevin Williams. It's Friday. That means Capital Connection will come your way. And at the end of the broadcast, what it takes to make a marriage last. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. With the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Last month in the journal Theoretical Medicine and Bioethics, a philosophy professor, Anna Smedor from Norway, proposed that the global medical community should consider what she called, quote, whole-body gestational donation. Women in a permanent vegetative state or who are declared brain dead could be used, she suggested, as unconscious surrogate mothers for people who, as the paper says, either, quote, wish to have children but cannot or prefer not to gestate. According to Smedor, though what she is proposing may sound shocking, it's really no different, at least not in any qualitative ethical way, from organ donation and other assisted reproductive technologies. Whole-body gestational donation would be just another step in what has been a natural progression of the sexual revolution. From its beginning, the revolution has worked to separate three inseparable things, sex, marriage, and babies. Initially, the demand was to separate sex from the context of marriage. That, of course, required a way of separating sex from the consequence of the potential of babies. When artificial contraception, especially the pill, made that possible, the revolution continued with a demand for babies without marriage. Some of us might remember the whole Dan Quayle versus Murphy Brown episode from the 1990s. And then, increasingly, for marriage without babies. Separated, both in practice and in the cultural imagination from its God-given context and natural consequences, sex is now primarily thought of as a means, the means for some, of self-actualization. As a result, any barrier to having the sex we want is seen as a barrier to being fully human. And now we've reached, with the enabling of technology, a final step in the whole divorce between sex, marriage, and babies, babies without sex. God's design for marriage, sex, and children is not an artificial one, nor can it be reduced to merely a social construct. It is reality. So when we violate that reality, we cause suffering. The suggestion to use unconscious women to carry babies that are purchased by those who either cannot or choose not to gestate a child is an especially repugnant example. But it's not as edgy as it sounds. After all, Legalized commercial surrogacy already exploits vulnerable women and already turns children into commodities. This newly suggested practice would only further confuse what is meant by death, would treat a body as something that can be used without exploiting the person, and would artificially extend a woman's life in order to give someone else what they want. Now, throughout church history, Christians have consistently opposed Gnosticism in all kinds of forms, and we must continue that work today. And for us, it means reminding ourselves and anyone that will listen that our bodies are a sacred, inexorable element of what it means to be human. We're not merely souls that happen to have bodies. Human souls are embodied. When we treat organs as products, the bodies of unconscious women as incubators, the bodies of surrogate mothers as commodities, 
and sex is merely a physical act in the pursuit of pleasure, we sin against God and against our bodies by treating them as mere tools. Marriage, sex, and babies are a package deal. To protect our neighbors from needless and profound harm and suffering, Christians must know, must teach, and must live as if that's true. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Maria Baer. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to colsoncenter.org. It's 19 past the hour. Kevin Williams next. Here is your family life weather forecast. Watch your step this afternoon. There will be some icy spots as those temperatures have been dropping. It will be cloudy with a bit of light snow or some snow flurries around. Temperatures have been dropping. We'll spend the afternoon in the 20s in most areas. 30s ultimately in eastern Pennsylvania. Colder tonight. Some evening lake flakes. Otherwise partly cloudy. Low temps near 20. Tomorrow, fair amount of sunshine. The high in the 30s and low 40s. Some sunshine sunny with a high temperature then in the 40s to near 50. All right. Thank you, Kevin. This is the Noon Report for Friday, February 17th. And welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are Jason McGuire at New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Jason, I want to start with you this week. There is not a lever of power not controlled by the Democrats in Albany. They rule the roost, so to speak. So why is the Assembly Speaker, Carl Hasty instituting these new rules in Albany that make life harder on Republicans? Yeah, there's been a, a process that gets a little in the weeds. Essentially, minority Republican legislators could force votes on their bills once a year. That will not happen under these new rules. They're limited to four bills. And so Really, this is an attempt to turn the People's House into Hasty's House, yeah. where he'll be further constricting the power of the super Democratic majority in that chamber. So the motivation here is to get the Democrats on the record when it comes to these bills. They're not necessarily trying to get them passed. They just want them on the record. Now they don't have to go on the record, right? Yeah, the Republicans know they can't pass the legislation, but they could force votes on things that, frankly, the people want but are being blocked in that House. And this allows the Democratic majority to dodge accountability on these issues. Yeah. Well, Michael, hey, the Pennsylvania House will get back to business next week, February 21st. They are scheduled to be in session. It's been a while because of this power struggle. The big question, of course, is will Mark Rossi remain the House Speaker or do Democrats have someone else in mind? Well, it's hard to know for sure what's going to happen because so much of it is discussed behind closed doors, and I'm not privy to those conversations. But from what I am hearing, it's looking like Rossi is going to hold on to that post until such time as he passes a constitutional amendment dealing with sexual abuse with the Catholic Church and opening up statute of limitations on that. And the sense is that perhaps when he gets that passed, then he will pass the torch or allow someone else to take that leadership. Democrats uh, want uh, Joanna McClinton, a uh, Democrat from Philadelphia, to become the speaker. But again, we don't know for sure. All right. We'll talk more about the legislation. They're pushing in the House in a minute. But first, Jason, story out of New York City. 
already, but I think it will interest our listeners upstate as well. This has to do with unvaccinated teachers who were fired for not getting the COVID shot. Apparently, they have had their fingerprints handed over to the FBI. Uh, Is there any legal recourse for these teachers? Well, I think it shows that the FBI continues to be out of control. I mean, whether it is the lack of follow-through on what's happening at a pro-life pregnancy centers or it is the targeting of parents or school board meetings, you can go to so many different issues with the FBI now and other fingerprinting of those who are unvaccinated. It just doesn't stop. You would think the FBI has more to do than to focus on these types of issues. And I would hope that legally there will be pressure applied by many of these groups to go back to the FBI and to say, do your job and yeah. stop targeting American people. We should mention a judge ruled those teachers had to be rehired with back pay. So we'll see where this story goes from there. Michael, we mentioned that the Democrats are now in charge in Harrisburg in the House. They want things like photo ID for buying ammo. Uh, farmers allowed permission to cultivate uh, medical marijuana. What else are they pushing that you're keeping an eye on this session? Some of what we're watching has to do with the sexual orientation and gender identity issue, the so-called LGBT agenda and the anti-discrimination legislation that has been percolating for some time, and we've managed to stave that off over the years. Democrats want to satisfy that constituency. That would be one that we're clearly watching. There are also efforts to try to roll back the school choice initiatives that we already have here in Pennsylvania. The teachers' union is very powerful within the Democratic caucus in the House of Representatives, so we have to make sure that we hold on to school choice gains that have happened already thus far in Pennsylvania. All right, and you got more on that on your website at the end. We'll give that. Jason, former New York Lieutenant Governor Betsy McCoy wrote an op-ed this week uh, that really calls out uh, Governor Hochul's housing compact. We have talked about this the past several weeks. You are very concerned, even though this is more to do with suburbia, New York City area. This should be concerning to everyone hearing this program. What is this housing compact and why is it dangerous? Well, it was an attempt by the state to take over local control of where you choose to live. Essentially, it is Governor Kathy Hochul saying that she will have the right to override local control over what types of buildings and how many should be built in your little village or your town. You know, just in my little village of 4,000 people, uh, you know, we're looking at having to build uh, nine new homes and 18 new homes in the town. Now, that may not sound like a lot in one little village, but if you start looking at 1,000 in some larger cities, it changes the the makeup of that location and that place. This is uh, really local control, not local control. And we have to realize that we ought to have some right to choose where we live and not have to fit into some kind of a New York City cookie cutter living situation. Yeah, well said. Michael, uh, citing ever-growing numbers of unaffiliated voters, apparently they are the fastest growing group of voters, the unaffiliated. Uh, There are rumblings again in Harrisburg to open up the primary election to the unaffiliated. Your thoughts? Uh, I don't think it's a great idea. I think it's, uh, you know, again, push for more changes in Pennsylvania election law. We saw with the introduction of early voting and the mail-in voting, big changes in many of the results that have happened in Pennsylvania. And then with this notion of having these open primaries, you sort of dilute uh, the two-party system into a situation where voters can switch sides and not just unaffiliated voters, but Democrats can vote in Republican primaries and vice versa to sort of mix up the pot and, and I think just sort of 
destroy what I think has been a good system thus far here in Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Michael, there was a story on gambling this week. Of course, this is something you're keeping a close eye on. The Pennsylvania Council on Compulsive Gambling, very concerned with the amount of young men age 18 to 24 who are getting hooked on online sports betting. How big of a problem is this? It's a a massive problem, and it's part and parcel of something that we've said for years since uh, Governor Rendell first uh, pushed for legalized casino gambling in Pennsylvania, and that is that access creates excess. And so now with everybody with the smartphones being ubiquitous, a computer in every home, a smartphone in every pocket and things, that means you can gamble wherever you are. And with the introduction of sports gambling, the sports angle is attractive to young men, obviously, whether it's the Super Bowl or baseball games or whatever. And then you add the ubiquity of smartphones and the ability to gamble away and and get those monies and the advertising that happens, it's no wonder that we have a crisis of addiction and sports gambling among young men. Gotcha. Access equals excess. Boy, you guys have got the one-liners this week. Love it. Jason, uh, New York Congresswoman AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez making headlines for a couple of Super Bowl commercials that she thinks Jesus would not have approved of. And those were those Jesus-themed He Gets Us commercials. Why would anyone have a problem with those commercials? Yeah, it was a curious response from uh, an elected official who's pro-abortion, pro-same-sex marriage, and so many other issues. I think Jesus may have some issues with some of the votes that AOC has cast as well. The ads, frankly, are being attacked from the right and the left as being very middle of the road. To have AOC attack an ad simply saying that we shouldn't hate one another just seemed far out of left field. I really don't know what's driving it other than she needs to maintain being in the constant conversation. But her every hot take is not the one that probably is the best take. Yeah, when you think of how polarized the country is right now, why wouldn't you want something that's not polarized? Anyway, well, Michael, you get the last word this week. The Legislative Black Caucus made headlines in Harrisburg this week by saying that black history isn't being taught enough. They want school districts to go back and revisit their anti-bias training. Is it black history that they want or is it something else thereafter in the public schools? Well, I can't say uh, across the board what the different members of the Black Caucus may be wanting, but uh, the concern that many people have is that it's not so much black history, but this uh, critical race theory. And, uh, you know, the notion of not hating one another in those Jesus commercials that the AOC was criticizing, what we see with this critical race theory and things is actually a push to hate each other. And that is not a good thing. And hopefully more teaching of black history will not result in more teaching of CRT. All right. Well, just like that, our 10 minutes are up. We've been a lot of places uh, the past 10 minutes. But if you have any question about any topic discussed on today's program, I'm sure you would love to hear from our listeners, Jason. Where can folks find you online? AlbanyUpdate.com. And if you have questions well about anything you heard today on the program from Harrisburg, Michael Gear, you have a wonderful website as well. PAFamily.org. Thank you, gentlemen. Capital Connection comes your way every Friday during the noon report or online anytime at familylife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. There's been a press of chillier air across our region today in the presence of light precipitation that has taken the form of a little rain, a little ice. But now it's just going to be some light snow or snow flurries for most this afternoon. And as high pressure builds into the region, we'll see some sun return for the weekend. Watch your step this afternoon. There will be some icy spots as those temperatures have been dropping. 
It will be cloudy with a bit of light snow or some snow flurries around. Still a couple of light rain showers or sprinkles in parts of eastern Pennsylvania. Temperatures have been dropping. We'll spend the afternoon in the 20s in most areas. 30s ultimately in eastern Pennsylvania. Colder tonight, some evening lake flakes, otherwise partly cloudy, low temps near 20. Tomorrow, a fair amount of sunshine, the high in the 30s and low 40s. Some sunshine Sunday with a high temperature then in the 40s to near 50. Okay, Kevin, have yourself a wonderful week. And finally at noon today, love was in the air yesterday at a senior living center in Jamesville, New York. That's just outside Syracuse. Elderly couples at the Nottingham renewed their wedding vows Thursday afternoon, and one blushing bride, Patricia Schmidt, who's been married to the same man for 55 years, had the following words of wisdom for younger married couples. I think you need to take time for each other. I notice that a lot of people are so busy working that they don't take time for just the two of them. That is some great advice right there. More than two dozen couples with over 500 years of combined marriage gathered for that recommitment ceremony at that senior center in Jamesville, New York. You are never too old or too young to fall in love. That's the world we live in Friday, the 17th of February. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to The Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.